It's the Black Swarm Podcast, baby. We're raw. And welcome to the Black Swarm Podcast, brought to you pre-recorded from my third bedroom, which we call a podcast studio. I'm Rob Antonell, here with Andrew Heck and Jim Matigley. Uh, how you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. Pretty good, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine, just fine. So to start the podcast, you know, obviously we're going to get into Benedictine, the upcoming opponent. But before that, we want to talk a little bit about last week. We're uh, Maslin won 24 to nothing over Warren. Andrew, what did uh, what did you think about the game last week? Well, it's a tale of two sides of the ball for Maslin. It's like defense was obviously great. Second straight shutout. Didn't let him cross the 50-yard line. I think held him, what, to less than 50 yards total? Yeah. So, no complaints about the defense. Keep it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously that Black Swarm defense played lights out, you know, like like they have for, you know, how long now? You know, we go back a couple of years um, where we thought we really, really turned the page on the defensive side. But, you know, when you get a hold of a team, you know, like Warren, they have a lot of athletes, had a lot of kids coming back, a lot of starters coming back. You know, we hold them to, you know, whatever the yardage was, like 48 yards, 49 yards total or something. You know, that, that's just really impressive. A shutout, you know, the defense has been playing lights out. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that's going to continue forward. But, you know, like you said, you know, there were some struggles. Yeah, it's, I mean, you're going to get to the point where you can't rely on the defense to just completely shut down everybody. You can't rely on shutouts in general. I mean, Usually you look at defenses in this day and age of football and you're like, oh, you can hold them under 20. That's good. Mm -hmm. And then if you can hold them under like 10, that's like, wow, that's a great defense. And a shutout, you know, back-to-back shutouts, it's like that's almost unheard of at this point. Even if like a team that you're dominating, you'll put in backups and it'll end up getting, you know, a touchdown or something. So the defense has been obviously great. And I expect them, you know, to continue to be great. It's just you can't expect shutouts. So the other facets of the game are going to need to, um, you know, pull their share and not leave the defense hanging for, you know, reward them for these great games that they're putting out there. And, you know, maybe there's going to be a game where a team is just a great matchup against our defense or just, you know, they have our number. Offense is going to need to put some points on the board to pick up the slack. So then, you know, penalties, obviously, it's a big talking point the last couple of weeks. That's going to need to be cleaned up. That's borderline just like un- almost unbelievable at this point. It's like East St. Louis level of ineptitude on that aspect of the game. And pre-snap penalties, you know, the after the whistle penalties, that just has no place for a winning football team to be doing that stuff. And you're not going to be a winning football team. You're not going to beat legitimately good teams by having 150 yards in penalties. Yeah, we'll uh, you know jump into the offense a little bit here in a second. But when it comes to the defense and how good they've been, um, you know, one thing is we, we had C.J. Harris come back last oh, week. Oh yeah, big time um, on the defensive line, which, which is a really big you know help for us. 
Um, with that, we, we noticed that Andrew Wilson-Lamp did get banged up during the game um, while, while on offense. Um, but he is, you know, our, our starting cornerback as well. You know, luckily we have some guys we can rotate a corner. And, you know, it looked like it wasn't anything too serious. We saw him still kind of, you know, walking around on the field at the end of the game, kind of jumping into huddles and stuff um, with, with an ankle brace on. But, you know, hopefully that's something that he can recover from quickly. He didn't look like anything too, too serious. But, you know, that's just all speculation based off of what we could see. But um, with C.J. Harris coming back, somebody that we really looked forward to on the defensive line this year, um, we were able to kind of change the way we ran some of our defensive schemes. We were able to plug him into the middle, go with more of that three-man front that you saw for a lot of the game, actually. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that we could run. Uh, it's just one more you know, tool on the tool belt that we can use, and you know, I think it's an effective one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, our defense has played lights out. We'll get to the penalties as well. But, you know, something that Tiger fans aren't really used to for the last couple of years is uh, an offense that isn't putting up a huge number of points. You know, we're used to those high-scoring games, especially during the regular season. But this year, you know, we've had a few injuries and, you know, a little bit, I don't want to say chemistry issues, but we're trying to rotate guys in, trying to figure out what's going to be the best lineup for us. And, uh, you know, we, we just we're still yet to really fill into that final role that we'll have at the end of the year. Yeah. When you look at the last two years, averaging over 40 points a game, it's I mean, to go from that type of offense that we've seen where it's pretty much nobody was stopping our offense except ourselves. Although we would have turnovers, or, you know, mental mistakes, but nobody was matching up with it and able to slow it down. It was just like the defense didn't need to be great because it's like, well, we're going to score 45 points anyway. So, mm-hmm. But now it's like, okay, you've seen there's been two different quarterbacks have started games for injury reasons, and you've seen different guys uh, on the offensive line for, again, injury reasons, mixing and matching, trying to figure out who can play where. And, obviously, you know, everybody – who follows football knows that everything comes back to the offensive line and the cohesion of the offensive line. And they just haven't been able to get that down. It doesn't seem like, cause there's been guys in and out and they haven't been able to work as a unit for very long stretches of time. So hopefully they can get that down this week and moving forward because Benedictine is no slouch and it only gets tougher from there. So in order to continue winning, that's going to need to be fixed and will not fix necessarily, but they're going to need to have that figured out and play as a unit offensively pretty well going forward. Yeah. I mean, um, as a lot of people know, you know, in week two, we lost one of our offensive linemen, we got injured. And, you know, since then we, we've been trying to figure out what the best combination is going to be. You know, we had to move the center out to guard, um, and then we can fill in at center, but then we're trying to, you know, rotate guys in. And, uh, you know, it, it's just been, you know, not an issue, but, you know, we haven't had a solidified five guys out there. And, you know, we, as of right now, don't know who's going to be starting as our five linemen, you know, going into Benedictine. You know, I'm sure the coaches have that all figured out, but, you know, the public doesn't because things have been getting changed so much. And that, that's something that I think once they kind of figure it all out, you know, obviously we have a really good offensive line coach and it's going to get resolved, but it, it's been 
noticed up until this point that we've been kind of filling guys in there, rotating them in. And uh, I think that's going to be really big for our offense once we get that solidified. We'll be able to establish the run a little bit better. We'll have more cohesion. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can go back to a little bit more of the offense that we're used to. I don't think the last two weeks that we've ended the game with the offensive line that we started the game with. It's been, you know, those are the five starters. And then, like, a drive or two later, it's like, oh, well, then we got two different guys in. And then goes on from there guys are trying to figure out okay who's playing best who's you know what unit works best together and that's a hard thing to do during games and it's hard i mean luckily we've won two out of three but it's it's going to be hard to do that sort of thing this week against and then against ignatius mckinley and then once you get to the playoffs it's like you don't have no go do or die it's like and then you don't want to be figuring out an offensive line in the playoffs so hopefully they can get it together here pretty quick yeah obviously injuries you know they happen and it hurts any team um but it's something that you know we've relatively stayed you know clear of for the last couple of years you know i i can't really think of you know too many huge injuries especially when it comes to linemen yeah Um, you know just the, the cohesion you know it's it's not easy to replace, you know, a skill player, but you can always kind of rotate guys in, you know, the offensive line. It's not really a position where you rotate people in. You kind of have a group and you let them work as a group. And, uh, you know, a lot of their plays are designed, you know, as a group mentality. And, uh, you know, when you're, you're mixing people, you're, you're changing positions and mixing people in. It's just kind of hard for them to get, to get that feel. And, uh, you know, it's hard for the coaches to get a feel of, you know, what, group is going to work best together but you know obviously that's something we've been working with for a couple weeks now so you know I'm, I'm sure we're you know a step closer now than we were yesterday to figuring out what the exact answer is going to be and we have some guys it's not like we're lacking guys we just got to figure out which combination and at what position is going to be the best you know group for us going forward and uh you know hopefully we get that figured out and uh you know going to benedictine they're a really athletic team um, they're a good team, and uh, we're going to need to have this all kind of figured out going into them. Yeah. I, the thing that I was just thinking about was probably with the offensive line just as a unit and all, like, not just ours, but, like, in football in general, offensive line probably even more so than quarterback. That's, like, a group where you need reps, like game reps. And as a unit, I'm talking about the whole offensive line as as one single unit you need reps like together. You don't need to be having a new guy next to you every, every other series. Cause then you don't have any cohesion. You're missing calls here and there. And one missed call could ruin a whole drive. And then it's like, well, that happens two or three times in a game. You might be in some real trouble. So I think hopefully they can get that, you know, get their, get their five that they want and let's roll with them for the next, however many weeks we got until what we got 13 weeks total this year so yeah i mean it's not like we've been playing you know bad teams you know so far we played a tough schedule and moving forward we have a tough schedule you know a lot of people you can say what you want about that bishop sycamore team but the one thing that they had going for them was they had some really good size and they had some really good athletes so that's definitely something that we still had to go against especially up front of the trenches and you know our offense so far this entire year hasn't been exactly where, you know, Maslin fans have wanted it to be. 
and you know as we keep saying there's there's injuries that have led to that you know it's never great when you have to switch a quarterback in the middle of a year early in a year because of an injury but you know we we know who we have our coaches have known this all off season when we got going into it and you know Catrone is he's a good quarterback and we knew that we've seen it for the last couple of years he's just been hidden behind Longwell you know just it just stinks when when you get hurt and then you know how long does that does that stay with you you know and then when Crable had to step in obviously we saw him you know play pretty well play play pretty well and uh you know different type of quarterback he's a young quarterback but you know we have some weapons there so you, you can only imagine once everything kind of comes together um, what this offense can be. We have a lot of playmakers. You can't deny that at all. You know, we have the most playmakers in the state. So finding ways to use everybody and finding ways to get this line to work together is something we're still working on. And <clears throat> you can imagine not having any form of offseason going against other teams. Um, it's just a little bit different. And everybody went through the same boat. They had to kind of figure this out as they went. But, you know, it really stinks when you have those injuries early on while you're trying to mesh as a team. So, you know, look for us to get stronger as the year goes on. But the, you know, schedule doesn't get any easier from here on out. That's something that's kind of different in the sense of having a condensed season because you don't have, okay, we have two tough weeks and then you get Firestone. And then you have a tough week and then another and then an easy game after that it's like you have mm-hmm. almost off weeks where you can try new things get guys rest that need have you know dinged up there's just it's like we started with eds then you had like that kind of question mark game with sycamore where they had good athletes but they weren't really a cohesive team then you go into warren who's wasn't very good uh but they're not like a terrible Still it's a not, good it's opponent. Not like, it's yeah. not like playing Fairless or something. Still a good opponent, but yeah, just they, they haven't been able to match up with us lately. Yeah, but then, okay, you get through the first three weeks, get the rust knocked off, and now you're looking at the schedule, and it's like, okay, Benedictine, Ignatius, McKinley, playoffs. It's like, oh, it's go time. It's like there's no there's no off week. There's no time yeah, to we're, be. Hey, we're in the second half of our schedule. We are like nine days away from McKinley week. That sounds that sounds crazy to you right now, but we're like nine, ten days away from McKinley week already. You know, so we have the condensed schedule. Everything is kind of filled up. And uh, for those of you that don't know much about Benedictine or you thought this might be like one of those off weeks for us, it is not. They are a good team. Yeah. I guess we're going to move into Benedictine now. I'll run through the, let's start with their offense. Offensive line, um, they have good pass protectors. You know, they run outside zone. Um, let's see, they got left tackle, Sawyer Hamrick, listed at senior, listed at 6'2", 270. And something you're going to notice a lot with this roster is a lot of seniors. This is a very senior-heavy team. Kind of like you know, a couple years ago, Bedford came in. Mm-hmm. And they had like all seniors and they kind of like scheduled us on purpose because they knew they had all yeah, seniors I and mean, they were going to be good. But this is a different animal than Bedford. Yeah, Bedford. but in that same idea that when a lot of these teams that we haven't been playing before, they like to call us up and schedule us, it's because they know they have a really good team coming up. You know, Barberton did that, Bedford did that, Benedictine is doing that where, you know, they think this is this is their team. This is the year 
where they can go to Maslin, go to Paul Brown Tiger Stadium, and win. They don't call us every year, but they called us this year. Yeah, so that's left tackle, 6'2", 270. Um, left guard, Thomas Jolly, a senior, 6'1", 270. He is a two-way guy. He's a very good ball player. He's committed somewhere, um, I think like D2 or something okay. like that, but probably just because he's only 6'1". I mean, otherwise, he's he's really good. Uh, center, uh, Luke Belotovsky, senior, 6'1", 290, and he is bolded as their best offensive lineman. And that's, you know, a good size center. And considering that we know that the other two guys are good, the fact that their center is even better than them, yeah. is that's not a good sign. Uh, let's see, right guard, Brandon Black, senior, 5'10", 285. Right tackle, Jacob Vasco, senior, 6'3", 260. So you have an offensive line of all seniors. They've all come up together in the system. They've all played together for now probably three, four years. Mm-hmm. So that's like we just talked about offensive line not having necessarily the cohesion because of injuries and other you know factors. This is a unit that has that cohesion. So yeah. that they're I mean I expect them to be very good. That's going to be a, a challenge for our defense as a whole, especially our front seven. So yeah, I mean you got five guys that are all seniors, like you said. But I mean don't want to go unnoticed if you did that it was two seventy, two seventy, two ninety. And then what was the right guard? Two eighty five. Two eighty five. Two sixty. Yeah, that's 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 a really big line. Um, I that's know it's a very big high school offensive it, line. Very big. I know we've been blessed with a big line the last couple of years, but that is a very big line. I mean that that's bigger than you know some colleges or some big time colleges. That that's a big line right there. And if they also have talent to go with it, don't give me that face. That's a, that's a big line. Look up. Yeah. Look up, Jim. You're here. This is why look we. Who, this Walsh is why you're here. No, not Walsh. look up. Look up Cincinnati. Look up Cincinnati Bearcats offense line. I bet it's similar. Okay. I bet we're similar to Cincinnati. Okay. In height or weight? Weight. Weight. Just weight. Okay. I I kind of forgot the heights. I look more at weight in high school because very rarely do you find the person that is height and weight, and if so, they're usually bolded to the point where we talk about them. So yeah. I usually ignore height and talk more about weight in high school. I mean, I'm not taking like they're, that's a big that's a big high school line. It is, yeah. And they've played together. I've watched a couple of their games on Boxcast. They they look big. They're not they're not like sloppy big. Not sloppy big. And they're not like none of them are like oh that guy kind of looks smaller. Like the two sixty guy. I mean he's six three. So six three two sixty. Yeah, he's, he's got some big. length on the backside. Yeah. I mean that that's definitely a challenge. You know the the one thing that I can say is that our defense has been so lights out that. You know, I'd, I'd almost welcome anybody to come in, and I think your offense is going to struggle. I don't care who you are. But obviously, there's, you know, more facets to the game than that. Jim, we got to get you a better... I know you're using your phone right now, but we got to get your computer working so you can look this up on your... Look this up on the computer. Put it up on the screen for us. But, you know, I'd welcome any team to come in and, like, have a good game against our defense. So, I mean, that's their line. We know they're big up front. We know some of them are pretty good players. It's going to be a handful for our front seven, but you know what do they have to go with it? In their tight end, fullback kind of group of players, kind of similar to us. They kind of it's a hybrid type of position. Mm-hmm. And they have Terrence Holland, uh, who is a senior, six one two hundred. They have J- Javon Floyd, senior, five ten two twenty, and then Gary Merrill, a senior, five nine two hundred. So once again, all seniors. Yeah. <clears throat> Running backs. 
Uh, the guy bolded is Dwayne Jackson, sophomore, 5'9", 190. And having just earlier today watched their game against Hoban, he went out with some sort of injury. I don't really know how serious it is. But Gary Merrill filled in for him at running back, and he looked pretty dang good. So um, he is listed, Merrill is listed as their backup, 5'9", 200 again. Um, so I would expect to see both of them regardless of injury mm-hmm. status. Um, and then Andre Rogers, another senior, 5'9", 165, is listed as the third guy in the running back depth chart. Wide receiver group, they have a couple of very good players here. Marvin Conkle Jr., 6'1", 180. He is the guy that they would like to throw deep to. I remember I watched their game against Warren that they opened the season with. And he caught two deep passes. Pretty much broke that game open for him. It, he, he first he broke it open early in the game, and then he had the closer at the, in the fourth quarter late to kind of put the nail in the coffin. So he definitely has some speed, good size, six one. Chris Gales, senior, six one two oh five. He is the the dude of this team. He is uh, he's gonna stand out to you on TV. He's filled out. He looks like he's a college level defensive or defensive back wide receiver type of guy. He is a grown man and he's very good at football. So <laughs> watch out for number one. Uh, Terrell Greer, junior 5'9", 160, is listed as their third wide receiver. So obviously they have, I did notice him played a, quite a bit against uh, Hoban. So he's, you know, they have three options and they're all pretty good athletes Two, the top two are really good athletes yeah so uh yeah i, I know jim you, you, you pulled it up but we're going to get to it here real quick um when it comes to you know their skill players out wide you know it sounds like they have some good kids you know some big kids and you know hopefully you know andrew wilson lamp is able to play this week you know i i yeah. have absolutely no inside information whatsoever i just know that he did get hurt last week that was pretty obvious you know, he was in street clothes for the second half. Um, but, you know, hopefully that's something he can come back and play this week because I know his size and athleticism is something that could really help us in the secondary, you know, you know, besides being our best corner. Um, so hopefully we can get him back and cover some of these guys. Um, but, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a tough match. You know, I know they gave Hoban a pretty good game, um, but I know our defense is up for anything. And, you know, it's going to be really exciting to see what that offense can do against our defense. Yeah, their quarterback – uh, another senior, six foot, one eighty, Ronnie Schultz. He's another guy. I think he's, I think he started at least three years. I was watching one of their preview videos on YouTube earlier before the season mm-hmm. even started, and I'm, I, I feel like he maybe has even started four years. Wow. And he's been, you know, I think his dad was a quarterback at Benedictine. Like, you know, this kid, he's not necessarily like the greatest, athlete, you know, athlete, but okay. he's he's like kind of one of those kids that. He's pretty good at everything. Yeah. He's not he's not a huge kid, and he doesn't have maybe the strongest arm, or he's not the fastest, but he's pretty good at like, do a decent, little bit everything. Decent yeah. size, good arm, spreads the ball around, and he can he can't hurt you with his legs. You can't just pretend that he's a pocket passer, Peyton Manning type of kid who's just gonna stand there mm-hmm. and be a statue. If you get out of your gaps and out of your lanes, he's gonna be ripping off chunk yardage and that's gonna be, you know, a real problem for the defense. So, I mean, I think their offense, it's going to, it's a lot to deal with size on the front. 
good running backs, talent at the wide receiver, and an experienced quarterback leading them. So, yeah, I mean, experience is something that you know that that just adds so much to your to your skill set. So, um, heck, roll through that real quick and count how many seniors you think will get playing time. Not starters, because it's impossible to, you know, depending on the formation, what kind of starters are there. But how many seniors do you think get playing time on that offense? I think it would be easier to say who was a senior that's not going to get playing time and or, like, the opposite of that. Yeah. And I think there's going to be maybe three kids that maybe aren't three seniors. that aren't seniors out of all of those tight ends, receivers, linemen, quarterback. That's That's a very experienced group. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why they called us trying to play this this year. And, you know, I think that's part of it. Uh, Jim, you, you figured out Cincinnati's at least some of their linemen. Did you figure out the starters or you just have like a list of the players in general? This is their projected. Projected starters? Yes. Um, their center is the smallest one at six foot th- 308 pounds. Damn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should have picked a different team. Yep. Yeah, you should have. Uh, I know Cincinnati's like a top 25 team, right but guard. still, they're, they're not the biggest. Uh, right guard. Yeah. Uh, offensive right guard, uh, Vince McConnell. Yeah, Maslin guy. Maslin guy, six foot five. Uh, hopefully it's six foot five. It's six zero five zero. I'm assuming that's six foot five. That, well, that I would, think we all know who he is, so we know that he's that six would foot make five. the most. That would make the most sense. That's okay. what I thought. Um their left tackle is six foot five, three oh eight. Okay. <laughs> and I should have made it back. Kind of bouncing back and forth. I here. see that. Yeah. Uh, there's two more. Yes, I see that. So like three oh five, three hundred, three oh eight. Uh, there's like six foot seven, three twenty on one of them. It's a big boy. Yeah. Uh, six foot seven, three fifteen. Three fifteen. Their right tackle. Well, that's a big line. It's a huge line. That's um, that's like Ohio State, maybe a little bit bigger than Ohio State type line. No, why are you shaking no. your head at me? No, what are they all like? Okay, I guess it depends, you on, how you, it depends on how you list them. Because what's Munford listed at? I swear they had six him at like five. I think they had him at like three fifteen last year. Yeah, yeah. So six five three fifteen. That's I mean, right, that's left guard is gonna be. Harry Miller, he's about six four three ten. Look up, stop, Center. stop looking up Ohio. I don't need to see Ohio State's. Line. Look up Bowling Green's. Line. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's the one I want. We're gonna make that comparison. Center Josh Myers six five three twenty. Right Trump guard Wyatt Davis. Wyatt Davis is like the small guy in the offensive line. He's a first round draft pick. Mumford's. You don't have six. to be three twenty. That's the thing. You don't have to no. be three twenty. No, that's don't. why I was. I didn't expect him to be quite that big. I thought you'd have like a guy that was like two ninety. Maybe I'm just five years behind, ten years behind. I don't know. I feel like you go back five, ten years, and like 290, 280, 290 was a guard. Center's like 305, 310. No? College weight versus NFL weight. They cut for the All right. So, Jim, you're going to look up the Bowling Green line because um, I think that's going to be a little bit more comparable to Benedictine, hopefully. Point is, we're comparing them. All right. That's a big line. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the Benedictine defense. But before that, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get this all set up and then jump right into that defense. Hey, Tiger fans. I bet if you're anything like my partner, Hank, you probably need to go see an eye doctor. Yes, sir. And if you do, we have the place for you. The Doring Vision Center is a primary care optometry clinic located in downtown Maslin. 
They have a wide variety of eyeglass frames, everything from budget packages to designer brands. And if you're like me and prefer contacts over glasses because glasses are a hassle, they have uh, the technology to fit all types of lenses. They treat most conditions, and they also take emergency visits as well. At the Doring Vision Center, most insurances are accepted, and you even have a good chance of getting a same-day appointment. So come on down to see former Maslin Tiger, Dr. Ben Doring, at 35 Erie Street North, Suite 110, Maslin 44646. And that's right next to the Alibi Bar, for those of you who know the local watering holes. Or you can check them out on Facebook at the Doring Vision Center. That's D-O-E-R-I-N-G Vision Center. Or give them a call at 330-880-0035. Doring Vision Center, proud supporter of all things Maslin. And thanks to Doring Vision Center for supporting the Black Swarm podcast. Um, during the break, uh, Jim was able to look up the Bowling Green offensive line. Um, which I think is a little bit more <laughs> comparable to Benedictine. Listen, I I knew Cincinnati was a really really good team. I just assumed they were overachieving with slightly undersized guys, and I, I was wrong. I was wrong. They're they're legit. But uh, Jim, why don't why don't you quickly tell us what Bowling Green is working with? So Bowling Green's got a six foot three two eighty freshman. I don't care about their age. Just how big are they? Uh, six foot four two ninety. Six foot four, two ninety seven, six foot three, three seventeen, six foot eight, three oh three, six foot four, two seventy. You lied to me. I told you it gets worse. Yeah, worse as in like smaller. No, it got no. Bi- oh, you got, it got my, bigger. You got my hopes up. You said they were two fifty, and it gets worse from there. Yeah, like and wait, it gets bigger. It gets like bigger for you. For worse, it gets bitter. It gets oh worse for you. Oh my god! No one said you're good better at communicating. No one said you're good at communicating. All right, point is, no, Benedictine's got a pretty big line, and I can't find a college to compare him to. Um, let's go ahead and let's talk go about. To Division let's. One uh, hey, hey, shut up! I said you should have compared him to Walsh. No, listen, that is a big <laughs> line. Maybe I'm just behind the curve. Ten years ago, that's a college line. I remember my senior year, St. Ed's had an offensive line that was bigger than the Bengals. And I think their heaviest guy was like 302 or something. Like It was Check huge out. back then, but I guess, you know, it's not that huge nowadays. But really big for high school, slightly undersized for NCAA Division One, but that's not a bad thing. Let's talk about their defense and see what our offense has to go against this week. All right, let's start out with the linebackers. Uh, the first guy they have listed is Daryl Bedingfield, a junior, 6'3", 185. He's listed as an outside linebacker. So, obviously, it's a pretty good size for an outside linebacker. Uh, the next guy listed is Quincy Johnson, junior, 5'7", 160, which kind of stands out as being an abnormal for this team, being you know undersized. Uh, let's see, he's probably going to be used more so in coverage as an outside type of guy. Uh, he's listed, says they, he will blitz some, but he's more of a coverage guy. So, uh, sorry, I don't have the paper in front of me. So you're talking about the linebackers, and uh, what position do they have him, or how many linebackers do they have listed there? They have like five different linebackers listed. I'm sure they must mix and match how, like, outside guys, which mm-hmm. is what kind of formation they're running, like how they want to attack the offense. But um, Because in general, what yeah. kind of defense 
are they running? I heard, I heard a rumbling that it's like a four-two-five, or maybe a little bit of a hybrid type defense. They looks like they run mostly out of like three down linemen, like okay. full-time linemen, and then mix and match how many linebackers, etc. What they want to do. So that could definitely be more of a coverage guy than okay. yes, yeah. I'm like, like these two first guys are probably more the coverage guys, and then uh, Gary Merrill, the guy listed as a running back. He's listed as their middle linebacker, uh, 5'9", 200 again. Um, Terrence Holland, another guy I listed earlier, uh, 6'1", 200. He's listed as the weak side linebacker. And um, he is bolded as obviously being very good. Uh, Javon Floyd, 5'10", 220, is listed as... They're calling him... We're listing him on this paper as an OB. I guess that's probably to give our fans... Uh, some sort of reference that that's how they're kind of going to use him as like a stand up kind of mm-hmm. it's like another lineman kind of but you know yeah he, he, he can, can move around yeah he can come down and look more like a defensive end or they can stand him up and he can kind of be like an outside linebacker in space um at least that's kind of like how we would reference that OP position somebody that can play a little bit of both yeah so moving to the defensive line um they have Tex Cooper, soon senior, 6'2", 225, listed as an end. Uh, Thomas Jolly, 6'1", 270, was on the offensive line. He's listed as another end. And then the nose is Gregory Gavris, senior, 6'2", 280. So that's pretty good size for an alignman there for the three down ones that they most likely have. Uh, they have a second nose tackle listed as Dion Womack. 62310. I'm guessing they're gonna use him for more so short yardage goal line or as a you know a backup guy. It's another another big boy. So uh, safeties, Chris Gales, who doubles as a wide receiver, as strong safety. He's obviously the real deal, as we talked about earlier. The free safety, Angelo Lott, senior, 5'10, 160. So a little bit smaller, but uh, he's a senior. I'm sure he's played a lot. He's uh, they say he plays center field really well. He reads the quarterback, can break on the ball. Good athlete. Cornerbacks. They list them as left corner, right corner. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming they kind of just stick to that. Uh, Michael Hatcher, junior, five nine one seventy. Um, then they have he's listed as their best. The best of the corners. Andre Rogers, 5'9, 165, a senior. Um, you know, he's listed as the right corner. And then a guy that rotates with him is Antonio Patterson, a junior, 5'7, 170, which maybe that could be a guy that you could target. I don't know if he's actually how good he is. Maybe he's super fast or something and you can't get past him. But size wise, height wise, you know, if you could match him against Ballard or if Wilson Lamb can play guys with better height, that could be a mismatch because otherwise there's not, I mean, it's a defense with a good size. It's like there's not really any glaring spots or like, oh, we can attack that guy. So once again, a lot of seniors, a lot of upperclassmen, a lot of experience playing together. It's a solid defense. Yeah, I know you said that you've watched some film on them. Um, have you noticed, you know, what kind of coverages are they, are they mixing up their coverages a lot? I know they said that a smaller safety that's good at, you know, being a center fielder. Can we expect some cover three from them or do they just, 
Are they like a strictly cover three type of team that you've seen? Are they mixing it up like a lot of other teams are doing? Well, something that stuck out to me that when I was watching their first game uh, that their announcer guy was mm-hmm. saying, he's like, he just made the statement. It's like, yeah, Benedictine, we we feel like we can match up our corners and our like cornerbacks and defensive backs with anybody. Yeah. So I'm thinking running man or it could be, you know, match mm-hmm. coverage stuff like that but it just came off the vibe that they're very confident mm-hmm. in the guys that they have and the athletic ability to match up against pretty much whoever yeah so i i can't really answer what kind of different things that they do schematically but i think that they you know it's an experienced team and they have confidence in who they are what they can do mm-hmm. and that they can just physically match up so, yeah, I mean, I think it's hard pressed for any team in the state to just run, you know, a man, a match against us, uh, you know, assuming that Wilson Lamp is able to play. But even if he's not, we still got, you know, guys behind him. I, I think it's it's irresponsible for a team to play, you know, just man against us. So I wouldn't expect to see too much of it, but definitely, you know, if they're confident, they can mix it in. They can try to send some pressure, you know, get after the quarterback. But, you know, I can't imagine any teams is going to do that all game long. Um, you know, that's something that we've talked about a lot, where if you're really good at it, you're really good at it, but you only have to mess up once. You know, there's no safety valve. Um, you know, with, with our receivers, it's, it's just so tough to play against them. That's something that we've been preparing for. And, uh, you know, I just, I just don't see how they could do that. But, uh, you know, I, I'd welcome that challenge. Yeah, I would. I mean, if I'm trying to, I don't know, playing devil's advocate here mm-hmm. or trying to think from their point of view. If I was watching film and I saw that our passing game necessarily hasn't yeah. gotten on track the way it has been in the last couple of years. And you feel if they feel confident in your corners and your safeties that they're not going to get beat over the top. I, w- I mean, I would probably be going to this game pretty aggressive with my front seven. I got like stop the run let's go mm-hmm. get the quarterback and pass it let's get them behind the chains and mm-hmm. absolutely you know i mean that's sure that's what everybody that's what every defense ever is going to say but absolutely but i mean to your point you know if you're watching film off of this year specifically you know we we haven't really shown you anything on film that says hey we're going to beat you over the top all game long right uh, you know we haven't really shown you that um, but with that teams know what they're going against they know the kind of players that we have and they haven't really been you know, giving us that opportunity. I, I remember last game, um, you know, it, it was kind of like a game of sequences offensively. I, I think we came out, we started doing some short stuff, and, you know, I was waiting for us to open it up a little bit. You know, I was waiting for us to kind of attack them deep, and then Warren went to a straight, they're just bailing. They were bailing at the snap. Their corners are 15 yards deep, and we, you can't run past them. You just can't. You could try to throw a jump ball, but it's nothing more than a jump ball. You're not going to run past them. And then to end the half, we kind of went to this short passing game, two-minute drill, and that seemed to be effective. And, you know, I'm just looking for us to tie it all together. You know, and that's something that, you know, I think our coaches are going to have to really, you know, put that whole thing together, an entire game of we can't just run vertical every time or we can't just do short routes every time. It's going to have to get mixed in. And, uh, you know, we're, we're plenty capable of it. We have the playbook for it. We've just been so fortunate to be able to throw vertical the last couple of years with our threats. And uh, we still have that this year, but, you know, teams are, you know, Warren, they went a whole drive, I think, where they were just bailing at the snap, and you just couldn't get past them. Um, 
so I think, you know, provided the opportunity, you know, we still have the best receiver group in the state. And, you know, it doesn't take much. You only have to beat them once. You only have to beat them once. And, uh, you know, that will completely change how a team thinks defensively. So, you know, I think teams have been preparing for us, and that's not going to change. But, you know, just because we haven't been throwing as much vertically, and that also might have to do with injuries that we've had earlier in the year. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, I would look for us to kind of get back into that. If, if a team's going to ask us to go deep, I think we have all the capabilities to do it. We know Catron can throw deep. Uh, you know, we've seen it in the past, and we have the receivers to go catch it. You know, just when is a team going to allow us to do it? So I think that's something on the coaching staff to kind of mix in short routes, intermediate routes, the crossing routes, as long as the vertical routes. So um, I think all of that coming together, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Benedictine plays us and Iggy, how they play us and how McKinley plays us and how the playoff teams play us. You know, it's, it's a progress. Every single week is going to be a little bit different. And, uh, you know, I think it's something that we're going to adjust to. Yeah, it's like we always say last couple of years on like, everybody comes in with some they throw some new wrinkles at us and do something that they never showed before but you kind of have to wonder with benedictine right now because i mean we saw them play hoban last week it's like they're not gonna they're not gonna hold back against hoban especially that was a tight ball game that they had a chance to win in the fourth quarter so i mean you don't know if i mean i doubt that they were saving anything from on film that they wouldn't show us but you know there's always different matchups that you like better versus and I know we've shown our blueprint of offense the last couple of years has just been vertical routes power running and I don't like it's hard to say like okay gotta show me it but I would be if I was them I would be like okay show me that you can actually beat my guy deep yeah, consistently more than once yeah there's no reason for them not to come in confident absolutely yeah. you know they they have shown that they are a good football team and you know we haven't given them the film that where we're putting up 40 points a game you know that yeah. that hasn't happened this year so that you're absolutely right as every team comes in gives us our best game gives us a little bit something different that we haven't seen before but yeah i mean they're they're definitely coming in with that mindset of hey we can win this game we're going to force them to beat us we have athletes and uh you know, I'm hoping that that might be their mistake. Yeah, hopefully that we can put together a plan that's going to attack all three levels of the defense, keep them guessing, keep them off balance, and not just, and you know, be less predictable and, you know, misdirection, stuff like that. You know, we have the capabilities, obviously, mm-hmm. and it's it's going to be, it's good on good. It's it's where, it's one of those games where that's uh measuring stick where where are we at right now because you know week one kind of like it was a obviously it was a weird week one for everybody and then you had the whole monsoon thing happening and then you come back in the second half and everything kind of unraveled there at the end then week two is that you know it's like more and then finally get a real team to play warren that you know a sound competent football team but they weren't they weren't necessarily in our class talent wise, so kind of just we're able to handle them despite 150 yards of penalties. So like I mean I don't think you can classify Warren as a good team. Like if you if the other team has 150 yards of penalties and you lose 24 to nothing, you're not good. So I think this is a step up significantly from Warren, and gonna see what we made what we're made of here. 
Yeah, I mean, Warren and Benedictine played earlier in the year. I don't remember what the score was, but uh, you're going to look it up for us, Jim. I already have it. Awesome. I So, Benedictine won. And if I remember, yes. it, it was close for a while, wasn't it? And, well, then, and then Benedictine pulled away? They lost by seven. Benedictine was, lost by seven? No. Oh, Warren did. Warren did. Okay. I was 24 up. to 17. And okay. Warren could have tied it late. And they did. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I watched it. All right. No, tell, well, tell us, I don't know what you were watching. Tell us Jim. the real scouting report, heck. It was, it was, once again, it was the first game yeah. for Benedictine. It's tough. For because their week one got canceled with Strongsville. Uh, Warren had a week one. Mm. So it was Benedictine went on the road to Warren. And it was kind of one of those weird, like kind of sloppy-ish first halves. Yeah. And then Benedictine took control of the game until late when... I mean, they were just like Warren's offense really was not doing anything against them. That I, you know, they weren't really putting together drives. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of just made it, had a play happen here or there, brought it, brought it close because obviously Benedictine didn't necessarily score a bunch. And then it was, it was like a, it was a tight game. And then Benedictine threw a long touchdown to Conkle, kind of iced, like iced it. And then somehow again, like Warren. Went down the field again, like at the like it really was. It's one of those games where like it wasn't as close as the final yeah, score. Okay, and then uh, it was the next week that they went and played Hoven, right? No, no, they, they played, played St. V. St. V. Forty-two twenty-eight. Then Archbishop Hoven, twenty-four thirty-one. Twenty-four thirty-one. So, so they, they've had three close games. Yeah, against three quality programs. Mm-hmm. Kind of increasing difficulty. Yeah, I mean, we know how good Hoban is. Um, you know, just historically, last five, six years. But um, so that's obviously a tough matchup. You know, Hoban's really good this year as well. Um, not sure if they're better than they have in the last four or five years, but they're still a, a really good team. Um, so, I mean, Benedictine was able to hang with them, only lose by one score. They put up 24 points against Hoban. And really, they had, they had a chance to win. Like, they got a couple turnovers, forced, mm-hmm. forced a couple fumbles in the fourth quarter. They stalled out a drive at, like, inside the five. That would have maybe tied it. Mm-hmm. And then they got, they got another three and out, got the ball back, went down and scored. Wow. To bring it within seven. Or, yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, 31-17. Then they... Had the ball down there, stalled out, got the ball back again, went down and scored to make it a one-score game, and then kind of just ran out of time at the end. But you know they they stood toe to toe. They they had their plays that they made, and you know they gave up some plays, obviously some long plays. So it's that they're not invulnerable, mm-hmm. but also they're there's definitely no slouch. Yeah, I mean the one thing that uh, you've touched on when it comes to us is you know we've had a lot of penalties. Not just last week. We've had a lot of penalties the entire season. Um, a lot of which have been, you know, mental, mental mistakes. Um, I know last week we had two block in the backs, I think, on punt returns or kick returns in general. Yeah. Um, we had, you know, unnecessary roughness, you know, hitting people after the play. I, you know, little things. It's not accidentally jumping off sides. You know, or you know, holding somebody because your hand got stuck on their jersey. You know, th- these are things it's that it's effort. mental. It's things. mentally, it's a mental mistake. And you know, that's what's really frustrating to, to coaches, to fans, to other players is the mental mistakes. You know, it's inevitable that every team's going to have a holding call or you know, a false start, a delay a game. You know, here and right. there. But it, it's these mental mistakes of you know, blocking the backs where you you know that you can't hit somebody going the wrong direction on a punt return 
or you know that you can't go up and hit somebody out of bounds after the play's already over. Um, and th- that's stuff that we got to clean up. And, you know, we, we don't have to tell the team anything they don't already know. But, you know, it, it's been a couple of games now. You know, it, that's something we really have to clean up going forward. And uh, I don't know what Benedictine's penalty situations have been like. But, you know, I can imagine if we continue to put over 100 yards penalties up every game, that's, that's not going to lend well in the future. Yeah, and I wonder if it's even something that these teams are looking at. It's like, okay, if you get under these guys' skin, you can get yourself some free yards. Yeah, I think that's that's something, you know, because I want to, you know, devil advocate myself, is that, you know, I think they were attacking Ballard last game. I think, I think the, everybody attacks Ballard. Yes, you know, and uh, I think teams try to get under his skin. They try to get physical with him. They try to rattle him. Um, because there's a response there, you know, you know, Bauer doesn't really back down. Um, but it kind of leads to these altercations where, and then obviously the ref always sees the second guy to push. Mm -hmm. So you can, yeah. And when you have mass on your chest, you're not going to get away with pushing another guy or doing anything even remotely after the whistle. And like, as, but as I say that as like, as an excuse, our guys have to know, like you have to know by now that you can't do that. Like that's just, um, it's just discipline at that point. Yeah, I mean, last game, there was obviously the one play where Ballard went up and, you know, hit a player late. And I, I can't excuse that whatsoever. Um, you know what happens? Not picking on him. He's not the only person that kind of did that play in their entire career. Um, but that one's where it's just like, hey, you, you can't do that. But there was a few times where, you know, he's playing. He's as a, as a corner. The receivers are coming up and hitting him more than they need to or you know after the whistle and there's you know offsetting penalties or when he's a receiver or um and they're coming out as a corner they're hitting him after the play i think he was back as a punt returner once and we blocked the punt and they still went down there and hit him and uh he didn't get a penalty on that one they did but you know it it teams are they're attacking him and they're trying to get that reaction and you know he's an emotional player and you know these things happen, and you know not picking on him, but I think other teams are specifically trying I, I, to we pick saw on it, him. We've seen it for years. I mean, Barberton last year really stood out. They They're, were they were really at, trying. They had two guys yeah. every play attacking him throughout uh, beyond the echo of the mm-hmm. whistle. I think I mean there's a scouting report obviously out there among teams that that's something that you should try to do because you might be getting yourself some free yards and get under his skin and make make him play less than his potential but i mean i think at a certain point like yeah that's kind of like a bullshit thing that's happening that the refs haven't picked up on and haven't you know curbed that from like stop that from happening Mm because like you need to start the game like okay this isn't gonna happen we're not gonna let that happen to the point where it's gonna start you know altercations which will then lead to the other teammates trying to stand up for their teammates on both sides and then then things just go downhill from there for everybody involved Mm -hmm. so on one hand you know we need to not be falling for those tricks and on the other hand the refs need to like you know wake up see what's happening out there happens every single week yeah let's you know yeah, I mean, so teams love going after him specifically, but, you know, there, there's a whole philosophy 
that you know the refs can't call it every time. If you're really physical with receivers, yeah, they're, they're going to get a couple pass interferences. They're going to get a couple defensive holdings, um, but they can't call it every time. And there's some defenses that that's just what they're going to do. They're going to hold you every single time because a ref can't call it every time. They just can't. They won't. They will not call it every time. So you're going to get away with it. And that starts to get on you know the receiver's nerves. Um, and this goes for a lot of teams, not not just us. Um, and we can we know it that it's going to happen. And I'm sure you can kind of get in the refs er, the refs ear early. But you know what is it like to go up to a ref before a game and say, hey, they're they're going to try to try to bully my kid. They're going to try to hold on to my kid. They're going to try to mess with him every week like you know i feel like as a yeah. ref they don't really they're not going to take that super it's gonna serious be like the cried wolf. yeah it's not going to come across seriously and you know the one great thing is that throughout a game you can constantly get on a ref that that side judge as a coach you can lean on him all game long but on the other side of the field the other coach is leaning on the other side judge all game long so you might get a little bit more on your side versus the other side you know i've always been under the impression that if you yell at a ref all game long for a specific call, you'll get it no matter what it is. It doesn't matter what the call is. If you yell at a ref all game long that the other team has 12 guys on the field, eventually he will throw his flag saying there's 12 guys on the field. Um, that's just a theory of mine. But if you do it all game. But that's just one of those things where you can't go into the game and say, hey, they're going to bully my kid. Watch for it. Yeah. But it happens. They're, they're doing they're doing more than they're allowed, and it gets frustrating. Obviously, you, you, you know you never want to have that happening to you, but uh, it's something that we have to overcome. And the thing is, you don't want to tell your kids to tone back their, you know, controlled. You know, you want controlled aggression, but you don't want them to tone back. You know, just you don't want to stand there and take it. Yeah, and you also don't want them to go overboard with. It's it's a fine line between. Standing up for yourself, your teammates, and just having to like sit there and take it. Yeah, I thought um, I thought there was one time last week where it got it was offsetting penalties, but you know, call me biased. I thought it should have just been on them because they, you know, it was a play happened where the ref had to go in and kind of break up the receiver from Roar, from Warren and Ballard. Kind of had to break him up. And then the very next play, he went right back at him, hit him kind of dirty, hit him late, and the ref just threw offsetting penalties. And I, I just don't know if, you know, Bauer is really at fault for that. I didn't watch a replay of it, and, you know, I didn't watch the film. But it, it just seemed like he was obviously the aggressor in a, in a bad way. You know, he wasn't just blocking hard. It, it was above and beyond the call of football. And then it happened again, and it was offsetting penalties. And I understand as a ref, you're trying to just curb all of it. You're trying to stop. But you need to do that all, early. all together. You need to do that first quarter early. But when you when you're calling tone. an offsetting penalty like that, it, it almost just is like, hey, you guys can do this again. And right. Nothing's gonna happen. You guys can can just continue to fight, and I'm gonna call it on both of you. Whereas the aggressor needs to get you know curbed a little bit. They need to get that warning that like hey you can't keep doing this. I think that's something that needs to happen early in the game like I don't even maybe you don't need to throw the flag you need to go up to go up to both of them I don't care mm-hmm. say I'm not gonna allow this to happen all game long and if you keep doing it, I'm just gonna throw a flag on you every single play yeah because like that's not even football at that point because if it's just 
I don't, even, I don't even know what it is, but it's something that doesn't belong. And people are targeting Jaden specifically. That's the guy we've been talking about. Cause that's the guy that's most known among the fan base as being involved in these sort of penalties, mostly because he's being targeted because he's obviously he's a very emotional, competitive guy that's not going to back down. Yeah, he's also the most known person. Oh, yes, he's our, our he's our star guy. He's one of he the most known the people in the state. Like that's yeah. the guy. Like, oh, let's go, let's go, attack there. You know, it's like the moment of glory. I mean, it's just like the idea of like, oh, well, you know, you're new here. Go punch the biggest guy right in the face. Yeah, you know, to earn your respect. That's what I mean. That's what teams do. Like, okay, that's their best player. Let's go get in his face and show the rest of them that we don't care. You know who you are, so I think that's something that needs to be curbed by the refs early in games. I don't care if you throw a flag or not early, but just tell them I, I'm not going to allow you to be doing the things that we've seen mm-hmm. over time happening after the whistle at you know at you know end of plays where you know the wide receiver and the corner are 25 yards away from the play that was a half yard run, and then you go up and hit the guy high pretending that you're doing a block like that's you know that shouldn't be happening yeah i'm not gonna pretend i'm not gonna pretend like you know i'm a football referee um but you know i've refereed some youth sports if that counts for anything and you know sometimes they just need to hear that from an authority figure from from a referee you just need to say hey cut it out you know the amount of times if you're if you are a youth referee and you have a kid doing anything like that you just gotta look at them and tell them to cut it out and they will guaranteed like they just they're like oh i'm not allowed like they caught me i'm done and i think what you're saying is like if you if you get on players and it's like hey we we can't allow this you know you don't need to throw a flag every single time or you don't need to pick and choose when to throw a flag if you just set that you know you set your role early yeah, they they'll kind of fall back into line. Don't let it go uh, until the second half or a few quarter, you know, drives into the game where it's been happening and happening. Then tensions are up on both sides. Like the guy who's been getting hit late and instigated is like, well, screw this. I'm not going to keep taking this all game. The refs aren't calling anything. What am I supposed to do for myself? Just stand here and get hit? Maybe, you know, like mm-hmm. nobody's going to take that for a whole game, especially, you know. Jaden, obviously we know Jaden's not going to. So I just think, you know, it's something that needs addressed from the referees, the coaches to the player. Like at a certain point, we need to stop reacting to it. It needs to be, you know, made clear that, that okay, that can't keep happening because we're not going to win games if we have 150 yards of penalties and, you know, 80 of them being on personal fouls. Like that's just completely unacceptable. But, I'll, you know, I think it goes both ways. Our players are targeted. Refs don't care. We try to stand up for ourselves and get flagged for it. So, yeah, I mean that's nothing new to us. Um, you know, ultimately, like you said, on that half yard run play when they're twenty five yards out of the picture, it's it's really not that big of a deal um, when it comes to the play itself. But you know, when we're trying to run a deep route and you know the receiver is getting held and the entire way down the field that that is where it makes a big deal and you know hopefully you know that is when the ref is going to be more prone to throwing the flags when we're trying to take that deep shot you know and we're just getting held they're holding our guys the whole way down the field and you know bumping them way past the limit 
Um, hopefully that's something that, you know, refs will catch on to and, you know, teams won't be able to do to us anymore. But <clears throat> just in general, you know, like you said, we, we really need to clean up the penalties. Um, if nothing else, at the end of the game, you need to see it on the stat sheet that our penalties are down. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter where they came from. We just can't have that many penalties and yards. Yeah, I mean, it just hasn't been personal fouls. That's the one that obviously draws everybody's attention more so. But it's, you know, it's been holding. It's been, you know, false starts. It's been, you know, pass interference here and there. So I think, it, you know, in general, it all needs cleaned up a bit. Because in order for us to achieve as, you know, as a team, what they want to achieve, what they're capable of achieving, that's something that's going to, you know, very much stand in their way. So it's kind of just the bottom line. You don't want to try to play the victim here about, you know, we're getting targeted by the refs for extra flags that we don't deserve. But, you know, I guess you know, at the end of the line, it's like, okay, whatever. Let's just be accountable for ourselves and at least, you know, go to bed at night knowing that we did our job and if the refs totally screwed us, then I guess that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, I always like to think, uh, you know, don't leave it up to the refs. You know, leave no doubt. At, at the end of the game, don't leave a doubt. Don't let anybody say you only won because of or you only lost because of. You know, leave no doubt. Go out there and beat a team and uh, don't give the other team any excuse. Don't say it's because we had an injury or it's because the refs were on your side. Or it's because you ran a trick play. You know, leave no doubt. Go out there and just beat a team and don't give them any reason to say otherwise. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can we can say that for the rest of the way forward. Get a bunch of wins. Go win that state championship on a 13-week schedule and, uh, you know, celebrate. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about specifically about Benedictine or, you know, our team so far? Uh, it's it's going to think it's going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be... A massive challenge for our players, the coaches to put together a game plan and execute that game plan. It's a really good team coming in. They've, I, I know for 100% certainty they're coming in here to win the game. They're not coming yes. here to compete or to just say that they, oh, they got to play at Paul Brown. Like that's that's not why yeah. they're that's not why they're coming. They're coming to lay the wood, and it's our it's our job to make sure it doesn't happen. You know, defend. Defend our house, defend Absolutely. our town. Um, when it when it comes to that, you know, the one thing that I want to mention real quick is I, I was able to go to the last two games. Um, I sat in the front row for week two, and I sat in the top row for week three. Um, different experiences, but you know, still the same atmosphere. Um, I I know that things are spread out. I know that there aren't as many fans in the stands, um, but. You know, it just seems a little dull. It seems a little dull when when there's a big third down. You know, you, you don't get that same rush from the fans. You know, and I I'm just hoping that when it comes to a really good opponent, a really good team, a really good you know situation, that fans are gonna stand up, they're gonna cheer, and you know, like a regular week. And I'll admit, I you know two weeks ago when I was in the front row, I was right there with you guys, where it's like I want to get up and cheer on a third down. But no one else is doing it. We're kind of spread out. There's kind of that like lingering worry in the air of like, am, am I even allowed to do this? Am I allowed to stand up and cheer? But do it. 
You know, we don't have as many people as normal, but we still have that home field advantage. And, you know, the, the team feeds off of the crowd. And, you know, I'm just hoping that when the time comes, the crowd can get into the game. You know, not just cheering for the touchdown, not just, you know, high-fiving the three people that are next to you, you know, after every score. But, you know, really get up and get loud. You're allowed to do it. Get loud. I promise you the whole crowd will jump in if we're on the same page. You know, don't be afraid to be the one guy that does it because, you know, it can really affect really affect the game. Things are so quiet that teams can hear each other. Um, you can hear different counts. But you, you can still mess mess with the other team. When they go to line up on a third down, and if you're loud enough, it's going to affect them. You know, they might get a false start. They might not be able to get their, their check-in. And uh, it, just, it just makes a huge difference. We've talked about it many times, but just because it's a smaller crowd doesn't mean that you can't be a real crowd. Yeah, I think, you know, regardless of the decibel level of noise happening, I think that, you know, our team, which is closest to the sideline that the fans are, I mean, they're going to feed off of that energy. It's not obviously the same as having, you know, 8,000 people over there, but I think they will feed off that positive energy, you know, and that's going to not going to hurt them. So if you can help in any way, do it. You're not going to hurt our team by cheering for them. So, yeah. Talking about positive energy, uh, the loudest I felt the crowd was uh, from a very select few, but the loudest I felt last week was people yelling to get Ballard out of the game when he did a when he had a personal foul. Um, that's not positive. Uh, why yell that? Um, your kids are on the field playing, so don't yell that your own player should be benched for the rest of the game uh, because he made a, a penalty. Um, that's that's just as disheartening as not saying anything at all. Yeah, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because that's not something that I heard from where we were sitting. Oh, there was like 30 guys around me saying, oh, take him out, take him out, get Ballard out. And it's like your best player, you're yelling to get your best player out because he made a mental mistake. Uh, The coach is already doing that yelling at him. Uh, You don't need to influence the other 60 guys down there uh, that you aren't supporting them or their teammates. Yeah, I mean, just in general, I think it, it's just, it hasn't been as lively. And, I mean, it's expected, you know, but I would just, I would hope that, you know, if we can only have, you know, 500 fans, 1,000 fans in the stands on the home side, that you'd make the most of it. Yeah. You know, try to make the most of it. Be loud, because... Even a smaller crowd, when in unison, can be really loud. It can really affect the game. And based off of what the other, what the teams are used to, it's a huge difference. You know, it's not the same as having ten thousand people, but the difference when you're used to having nobody. You when know. you have nobody versus a thousand, that's that's a huge difference, and it can really affect a game. So you know, try to get into it. You know, don't be afraid. You know, just because we have masks on, just because we have to spread out, doesn't mean that we can't cheer. Doesn't mean that we can't be loud. And uh, you know, I'm just hoping that can that can really be a, a change for us in the next couple of games. Yeah, everybody yeah, is fortunate enough to actually get a ticket. Just to maybe realize that there's ten thousand people that would love to have that ticket that you have. 
and you know try to carry the carry the torch for all the people that can't be there absolutely you know you know we i've noticed the fans are you know really in sync when the band plays and that's that's no change from any other year um you know every single year when the band plays team likes to clap the fans like to clap along with them and that's awesome um you know we have one of the best bands and you know i'm, I'm really big on you know the how we've been doing the same thing for so long and then they go and they have a different show every week but it's just that the we've been doing you know tiger rag since 1937 or something 1943 um it's just awesome and everybody claps along and it's it's really cool to have a thousand people clapping along during the band show but also it'd be really cool to have a thousand people standing up and yelling on third and seven that'd be nice so you know don't be afraid Go for it. it. It can make a difference. I promise you it makes a difference. So uh, hopefully it's going to be a big game this week. The people that are lucky enough to go to the game, you know, they can they can help make that difference. Yeah, I think just appreciate that you're at a big-time high school football game when most people aren't allowed to be there. So 8,000 people or so. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah that's, it's a tough situation for everyone. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how many people Benedictine brings. You know, I know Warren didn't bring a crazy amount. I don't know if that's, you know, big or small for a Warren crowd. Um, they didn't, they didn't bring many people to that playoff game last yeah, year. Yeah, you're right. It was not it many. It was pretty much nobody. It was not many. And maybe so, they saw well, the beat down we gave them week three, um, but. Bishop Sycamore only brought like 20 people total. Um, like literally maybe 20 people. That, yeah. Um, I wasn't there for the Edge game. Um, but I can imagine they had they had a decent crowd. Probably probably 150. Probably a decent crowd. Um, in comparison to you know with every in relative everything else is going on. Um, but I know that Benedictine has been posting online that they're selling four tickets per player, and then the leftovers or extras. I don't know how many tickets they have, but they're also selling to alumni and fans, the general public. So it's gonna be interesting to see how many people they bring. Um, hopefully we can, you know, beat them out, fans versus fans. I mean, you would think that if one of those rare occurrences that the general public is offered tickets to a high school game, that they would jump on that. Um, if the, if not, I'd like to buy a ticket from them. I can imagine that Benedictine will bring a pretty decent crowd. They have a good team, really experienced team. They haven't played us in a while. You know, it, it's an experience for their fans. And if they are going to, you know, open it up to the general public pretty much for ticket sales. I would expect them to bring a, a decent crowd. You know, that's all relative to COVID terms, but a decent crowd. So, you know, hopefully we, you know, we stand up to the test and, you know, we don't let their crowd be a factor. Um, so we're going to do our, you know, our sponsor question for Jim. He hasn't been able to do it, but I'm just going to, I'm just not prepared for that. I don't care if you're prepared or not. So we're just going to, but I'm just going to ask you guys in general, like, did we, did we want to do a ranking this week? I know we didn't prepare for one. I can just pull, I have a list of a bunch. I can pull one out of a hat. If you guys wanted to, you know, just kind of, no, maybe not. No, I I don't know. It wouldn't be great if we did it. We're not prepared, but let's just ask Jim this question. We'll just do Jim. All right. So. You know, this is our FW Renner and Sons sponsor question of the week. Um, Jimmy, you're our guest. You're our guest of the week. Our guest to us. Not our talked. guest. Hey, I'm here every week, but you just don't hear me. 
Yeah, but this week for you, the bust. This week you actually have a microphone in front of you. Yeah. We still barely heard you, but that's all right. You um, guys talk a lot. Jim Matigley, guest of the week for our FW Renner and Sons question. Okay. You're not prepared, but do you really need to be prepared <laughs> for this? Come on. We'll see. What is your favorite local eatery? I know that you, you know, eat at a lot of local places. A lot of places that aren't local also, you, know, you travel a lot, but what is your favorite local eatery? Are we talking sit down or anything? Mm, well, if you, I'm up to you. You tell us, uh, and then I'll, I'll make you pick again if it's wrong. Sit down is going to be Smiley's. Okay. And then uh, just in general is Eastside Krause's. Eastside Krause's. So you picked the two most common answers. I know. I I could change it up and yeah, go out on a limb. Tell us a place that's not Smiley's or Krause's because we all know that Krause's East Side is amazing. West Side's all right; they're also good, but you know we're East Side guys, so we got to say East Side. East Side Krause's it's better, and then Smiley's is awesome. Um, I feel like not enough people go there. Oh, I not. know the I know the parking's probably a little bit tough, but you can still that park place in front. Be packed. It should be. You it can, should be. You can park out on front. They have a lot more parking on Lincoln Way now. Park across the street. You um, go park across the buildings. street. You can go around the side. The side streets Where are Lieberman's always open. Is. Yeah, right there by Lieberman's. It's a two-second On walk. First Street. Um, yeah, you can always park on the sides. You yeah. can you can park in the Muni lot. It's a little bit of a walk, but you can make it. Um, yeah. If you really want to walk. <laughs> it's can, worth the walk. It's, it's good worth, Italian It's food. worth the walk. If you want an easy parking spot, you can park out by, you know, Tiger Rags, Rock Knees in that area. Um, just walk up to Smiley's. It's a great place. You know, yeah. not enough people go there. Oh, um, great place. So besides the two obvious choices, what else? Well, I'm gonna keep it in the Italian gene. I'm gonna say Bella Sera. Bella Sera. They have the best pepperoni rolls, and they I think you get one with every Ooh, meal. That's a bold claim. It's that's good. The best pepperoni. Rolls. They are really good. You get one. I think with every meal you get, you get a salad, a pepperoni roll. And then whatever you want, and their mm-hmm. their portions are huge. Okay, I have not been there. Oh, you should try it. I think I've been there once. It's um, right behind McDonald's. Yeah, so okay. the plaza back there. Yeah, the plaza. Yeah, I've been there once. I don't really go to that plaza. It's it's think, really John, good. I Things go are kind of hidden in there, and it makes it tough. But I go to Johnny's, get some donuts on occasion. Oh yeah, donuts. yeah. They're they're closed, actually, they're closed on Mondays. Actually, uh, we might throw some Liebermans in this too, just for the Tiger Tails. Laberman's uh, Tiger Tales, huh? Laberman's yeah. and Johnny's are. I don't know if that's some sort of. I gotta give. I don't know if that's some sort of like t- rivalry between people which who prefer yeah. one or the other. Well, but I work with somebody. Oh that man, they're both good. Relatives to Johnny's, so I gotta say Johnny's too. Mm. If okay. I had to pick one, I'm like if I have one donut, I'm going to Johnny's. I really never had yeah. never had Johnny's. Like I've if asked I'm them picking to between the two, and they won't do it. If I'm picking between the two. I'm gonna go to Johnny's to get a donut. I've never had Johnny's. They're good. And yeah. to be honest, I think I've only ever had Tiger Tails from Lieberman's. So. Yeah, they they said they wouldn't do it. Uh, huh? Well, they said I could get a cream stick, and I was like, well, uh, I know it's just color coloring, but yeah. makes that much of a difference. It does. Okay. On a Friday, I mean, yeah, Tiger yeah. Tails. You get you get. Maybe 15 weekends, you know, weeks. Mm-hmm. You can get Tiger Tails. Yeah, I can tiger get a cream tail. stick anytime. Oh, wow. Even though it's, you know, the same. Same thing. Same, yeah. same, but different. Yeah. Same, same, but different. 
I think the bottom line of this whole conversation is that there's a lot of good places in Maslin that probably not enough people go to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, there are just a lot of local places and, you know. They're not the chain, you know, restaurant types. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So. up there, though. It's the places that have been there for about 100 years. It's a dang close. It might beat Smiley sometimes. Yeah, I've I've definitely been there once. It's it's been a while, but I've been there once. I'm kind of with you, heck. That that plaza in general is like just not a super popular place. No, it's just not somewhere that's con- necessarily. I mean, which, it's right there. It's not, it's not like it's convenient. It's easy to get to a big parking lot, yeah. but for whatever reason, it's that's it's just yeah, not it's just the place. Like not the place I go to. Yeah, like the biggest complaint everybody says about downtown Maslin parking is the parking. Well, there's a lot and of parking like, in that lot, but that plaza is plenty have of parking. Yeah, three hundred parking spots probably there. Yep. And, and no it's not one, necessarily a busy yeah. lot, so it's like there's no. other spots. There's yeah. a lot of spots. You know, it's just our things have changed. Yeah. Our generation doesn't want to park and walk. It's not like we live in Cleveland or something. You don't park one spot, walk to a different spot. You park where you're going. Yeah. You know, Applebee's has their own parking lot, and that's what people are used to. But, um, you know, take a little bit of time out of your day and you yeah, know, check maybe. out Smiley's. Don't go to B-Dubs or find a parking for spot. the 80th time. Yeah, I'm not a big B-dubs fan. Not a big no. fan. Not a big B-dubs fan. I just think, fans. yeah, people, maybe skip on that B-dubs next time and go over to oh. Smiley's. If you think you're going to go to B-dubs this week, don't. Maybe try Smiley's, yeah. Oh, actually. To be honest. I I forgot. Okay. I, I'm going to change it. Belisera's good. Big food. I already said Italian. Oh, big food guy. I am. I'm not small. Um... I'm going to say old-timers for their wings. You've been there once. I know, and those are the best wings I've ever had. They're pretty good. <laughs> they were, oh, my God. They're huge. Huge wings. Huge. What, Tuesday? 50-cent wings? It might be Tuesday and Thursday. It's Whatever they were. It's definitely Thursday, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh, God, I forget. All right, Tuesday or Thursday, maybe both. They have 50-cent wings, and uh, they are humongous wings. And they're, they're pretty big, and uh, they're very good, and it's worth it. So oh, it is. You, the parking's harder there than anywhere downtown. Oh, that's a tough spot to park. But you can yeah. hit you can hit the side street. Um, you hit the side street and walk, but you know they got great wings. Oh yeah. And uh, you know you go in there, you get a bucket special. You get eight wings, ten wings, twelve wings if you're really hungry. That might not sound crazy to a lot of people, but these are humongous wings. Yeah, like, like I don't, I don't think they come from chickens. Double the size of uh, like your general B dubs. It's at pretty. Least. It's a pretty big wing. Yeah, you, you got to try it out. So, you know, fifty cent wings. Good place. Good place. Good place. Yeah, one time, won me over. I don't know what their normal price is, but like you know me and wings, I I don't pay full price wings anywhere. Yeah. I don't care where they if are. I refuse to play a dollar a wing. I don't care how big they are. Yeah. But on their wing night, when it's 50 cent wings, that is a deal. Yeah. If, if Rob spends over 50 cent on a wing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's. But if there was one place you could do it. Yeah. It would be old timers. Old timers. Because they're humongous wings. Yeah. Um. So that's another place to check out. Out on the west side. That's the only good thing on the west side. Only good thing on the west side. Uh, Krause's. I'll give him that. They have a Krause's, yeah. They have a Krause's, but they don't have much else food-wise. They really don't have much of anything on the west side, Jim. Yeah. You have a, you have a gas station, but it's on the viaduct. Oh, they have so John George's. So it's like barely west side. Look, I'm going to count John George's. John uh, George's. Don't they have like a Sunday subs deal? I don't know. It's like $2 subs on Sundays or something. 
I don't know. Don't I hold me. So. Don't hold me to that. But I like saw an advertisement once where it's like they have a really good deal on Sunday for subs. Like I, yeah, like, to the point where I was like, I don't really want to drive out there for a sub. I'm used to getting them for free for being a football player. That was good times. Ten years ago. Um but like for the price, I don't remember. It was like two dollars, two fifty, three. I don't. It was a good deal. That's deal. Double troubles. And man. I was like, hey, I, a sub for like two bucks, three bucks. Like, yeah, that's a good yeah. deal. John George's. That's another good place. But yeah. and then if you go if you go past that, like you might as well go to Worcester, Tuslaw County. Yeah, you might as well go to Worcester. Well, I'm not going to Worcester, but well, I do for pizza. Okay, but I'm not. Who? All right. If you drive oh forty minutes for pizza, you're out of your mind. It's not that good. Get it a is. Red Baron. It is what? not that good for real. What'd you say? Red Get Baron. a Red Baron. Throw in the yes. Oh Throw no. It in the oven. Oh no. Coachy House. No. If you are in Worcester. Oh yeah. Get Coachy House. Do not drive to Worcester to get Coachy House like you do. That's ridiculous. Oh yeah. I ordered it from California one time. Still ridiculous. What? Like how? Oh, I was flying. He was back. coming back. Oh, okay, it's okay. Kind I of thought a you were like, no, it's kind of them a, mail you a pizza. No, no it's a they dump. do. They will mail you a pizza anywhere in the world. It's a dumb statement to make, but like, yeah, we are going to Worcester though. When you did that, yeah. If you're in Worcester, get Coachy House. But I'm not driving to Worcester to get Coachy House. Get Krauses. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not even worth talking about. So Krauses, Smileys, Bellasera, old timers, old timers. John George's, if you're feeling the sub. John George's for a sub. Nice little drive through. I don't know what you just said. How many other favorites do you have? A bunch. That's asked about for, it. We asked for one. Well, you I gave lie. us like seven. Here's, here's a better thing. How many total restaurants can you name in Belden? Oh, we, <laughs> minimal. We, we, learned that, we learned that last week. He doesn't know a single place in Belden. Oh, minimal. I don't know. Mission Belden. Barbecue. That's a good place. As, as a great man once said, I don't go past Walmart. Who said that? Or Kmart. Ah, <laughs> don't, don't, even, don't even know what you're talking about. He's going to give me a lot oh, of man. shit for that. If Only he listens Walmart to this. even there. I don't think people <laughs> consider Belden when they say east of Kmart. Oh, yeah. I do. It's, it's, I, I don't go to Belden. I think it's above. To, but yeah, I, I think it's Belden is like it's kind of its that own. Reason. Yeah, I think Belden is Belden is its own area. I don't. Yeah. Man, I don't go past Walmart. What a guy. I don't go past. Well, with that, you know. You came to my house. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did. So um, make sure to put that quote up on your walls. Um, if you have a Maslin room, a man cave, put that sign up on the wall. I don't go past Walmart. Jim Matigley. Great quote. I don't go past Walmart. It's Jim Matigley. Kmart. My fault. I don't go past Walmart. Jim Matigley. Um, that that's it. That's all we got. FW Renner and Sons question of the week. Um, you know, shout out to them for sponsoring the podcast as well. Uh, really appreciate it. You know, we got a little bit in about Benedictine. We talked about last week a little bit. Talked about the team in general. We can look forward to for the rest of the year. Um, you know, appreciate you guys for showing up. Hank, I don't know where he is. He was supposed to be here tonight, but he's gone. Doesn't know. he live here? Yeah, he's gone. I don't know where he's at. That's all right. Uh, we didn't need him. Um, thanks, you guys, for showing up, helping out. Jim, you talked a little bit at the end. I appreciate it. We You're just welcome. had to start talking about food to get you in here. Yeah. Um, that's great. So, shout out to uh, Doring Vision Center, FW Renner and Sons. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks. Good night. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers.
Thing happening to you. 